we're going to continue our uh, Healthy for the Holidays series. And uh, for me, this week, I, I was thinking back over my years. If you didn't know, brief history is that uh, I grew up in Edmonds, Washington, and I worked for Costco for about 15 years. And then I uh, stepped away from Costco to do this. And so in and amongst all that, I remember just crazy things from my childhood. How many of you remember the Chia Pet? Right? I mean, that was like the thing. And the clapper, like, and then the lights go off. Like right around the same time, Chia Pet and the clapper hit. And those were like highly sought after items. Um, I remember as a child, uh, my parents were great. We had more than ample video game systems at our house. Uh, and I don't think any of my kids are, oh, they are up here. We only have one TV with video games. When I grew up, we had multiple TVs with video games. But I remember my parents going out and getting the latest Nintendo, standing in line for the original PlayStation that came out when it came out. Um, and I remember, what, how many of you remember Teddy Ruxpin? Remember Teddy Ruxpin, the bear? Like, people are like, what? What's Teddy Ruxpin? I'm aging myself here. Uh, how about Cabbage Patch Dolls? Do you remember Cabbage Patch Dolls? So, I'm still a little bitter. I love mom, I love you. Uh, my mom made my Cabbage Patch Doll. I think it's because she couldn't, they were like so sought after at the time. Uh, my brother got uh, Kirkwood, which was an actual Cabbage Patch Doll with the autograph on the bottom. Remember that autograph that was on the bottom? Mine was G.I. George, had no autograph. I don't know how my mom found the he actual head of a Cabbage Patch doll, whether she stole it from another child or one got beheaded at some point. But she made my Cabbage Patch doll. It was G.I. George. Uh, and that was probably my first real struggle with envy because my brother, my younger brother, had the actual Cabbage Patch doll, which I really wanted that. Um, and then I remember, as I, as I went to work for Costco, I remember the mornings where we had uh, the newest, latest, and greatest items show up on the floor at Costco. I drove forklift for Costco, so often these things would come in early. They'd be wrapped in black plastic, and so nobody knew what was behind that black plastic. But I remember, remember when Furbies came out? Furbies, those would come in, they came in early, and then there was like a release date, like November 23rd was the release date, and we'd drop them down and put them out, and at the door, I don't know how people knew that that was the day, but people would just line up, and they would literally run in and buy the whole pallet of Furbies. Uh, we actually didn't get a Furby at my house, but you remember Tickle Me Elmo, when that came out? I got one of those and regretted it as soon as I brought it home. Uh, that Tickle Me Elmo, he'd, ha ha! <laughs> that tickles. And then he'd like do a somersault and stand up. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, the Harry Potter book releases were big at Costco. People would line up at the door for the Harry Potter book releases. Uh, and then, and kind of more towards the tail end of buying some of that stuff for my kids. Remember Zuzu pets? There were the little tubes, and they were like fake little hamsters or mice or whatever that ran through the tubes. And then I remember one of our kids, I think, got it caught in their hair like the wheels, and we had to like cut it out, and it was, it was crazy. But uh, I would go, because we didn't get those at Costco, but I remember for a couple weeks straight, I would stop by Fred Meyer every day on my way home from Costco, from working, to see if they had the new Zuzu pets. And then I would bring them home, and then Heather would be like, we don't need any more Zuzu pets. And, I, and then like, I don't know, two years later, we got rid of them, so. Um, 
But, uh, and, and today, today, currently, uh, you can't get your hands on the latest Xbox or PlayStation. It's been out since last Christmas because of like COVID and the supply chain and all that kind of stuff. And you can't even find the latest Xbox or PlayStation. Um, the Nintendo Switches are hard to find. Uh, and so I've actually entered into a little bit of a season with my 11-year-old because I'm going back, reverting back to my old ways. Um, I'm currently hunting down the Pokemon Celebration Trainer Box for my 11-year-old. And it's 50 bucks at Fred Meyer, but on the, on, the, on the black market or whatever, the secondary market, you can sell it for $100. So you can buy it and even sell it for profit. We open it if we find it, but uh, I'm searching for those. And, and, and sure enough, when I head to town, uh, I may have four errands in it a day and I forget to do two of them, but I will definitely remember to stop by Target and Fred Meyer to see if they've got this latest Pokemon box, or like, if I go to the, I get in trouble for this, because I'll go to the grocery store, and I'll have a list, I'll forget things on the list, but I'll definitely remember to check for the Pokemon cards, see if they're there, but, uh, but yeah, so, and even if it's out of my way, I'll go hit Fred Meyer Target, just to check, just to see if I can get that for my son, you know, and, and it's kind of been, you know, and especially as we head into Black Friday, and all those things, that those things are already happening, right, like, people are already shopping, Black Friday deals, um, but uh, we we often do that and 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 go after more, especially around this Christmas time. Go after more and more and more and the latest and greatest things, cell phones, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, Amber, last week, if you were here with the healthier for the holidays, Amber shared with us this reminder, this desire that she had on her heart to not. How did she put it? To not, uh, to be present during the holidays. And if you remember, she shared that she made this strategic choice that she was going to, instead of like sweating for Thanksgiving and going crazy with everything that's going on, she was going to be present for Thanksgiving. And remember, she shared with us that she has take out Indian food every Thanksgiving so that she doesn't slave away on a turkey all day and then uh, everybody consumes it in 15 minutes and you got a mountain of dishes that then you're stressed about doing. And so she, uh, she said that that idea of being present. And I think for us that addresses um, this idea of being, it's like countercultural to make some decisions like that, uh, to not chase down or not accumulate or not gather up but that, what's countercultural for us, I believe, that is this idea of release or uh, giving away, uh, giving away everything that we have. And now you're probably thinking, did he just say I got to give away? Whoa, wait a second. I don't think that that sounds like fun. Giving away everything? Um, but here's what I mean by this, because if you think about it this way, um, you can have all the stuff. You can have the latest cell phone. You can have the secure dollar amount in your bank account. Uh, you can have the car. You can have the nice furniture so that you can host comfort comfortably in your house. You can have the latest trend or fashion, the Tickle Me Elmo if that's what you wanted, the latest gaming system, whatever it may be. And you can, based on your appearance, appear the same as somebody else does, go after the same things, um, you can live a similar lifestyle like me and Johnny. We can live this similar lifestyle on the same street or 
Sarah and Rachel or Bob and Tom, and, and you can have the same stuff and appearance be super similar, even maybe keep neck and neck together, gathering up the same stuff and, 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 and having the same uh, appearance in our life. But you can do it in such a way where one of you has accumulated and own everything, or you can do it in such a way that you still have all the stuff, but you hold it loosely. You uh, allow yourself to not really own it, but have it. Uh, does that make sense? Um, there's a stance of possession and ownership and, and, and acquiring and gathering that I think we need to think about, especially when it comes to this time of year and, and, and all the things that we have going on in our lives. Uh, in a funny way, I thought about it this week. Like, Jesus didn't really own anything. He didn't accumulate a bunch of possessions and then, and then drag them from city to city as he had thousands of people following him. Uh, and, and I know that that's actually not even an accurate way to measure or even a, uh, a, a, a valid example for us to not own anything. We should be like Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but uh, what he often did uh, is he often gave God all the credit. He had the stance of and this approach of for God and from God. So everything that he did was for the Father and everything that he had and, and he performed and all the miracles and everything that he did and all the teachings and, and the gathering of people was from God. I mean... Other than he had, he drove a Honda Accord, right? I saw this joke, it's right, here it is. Uh, for he did not speak of his own accord, he drove a Honda. Jesus drove, I've got a Honda, so I feel like I'm closer to, that was my one insert dad joke. Come on, can I get at least a courtesy laugh? All right. <laughs> on, on Thursday mornings, we were hitting some dad jokes up, and so I had to pull that one out for us. Um, but what we tend to do is be enamored by this latest and greatest, right? We tend to pursue and go after the most prominent, the most demanding, that in which uh, is, is calling us to the most attention, uh, desiring our attention. And a lot of the time, it isn't even the material or the possessional stuff that's at the core of what what it is that we're seeking or what it is that we're going after. It's the status or achievement we feel from owning that stuff. It is the, we uh, perceive it to be the outcome of which, we, of which we acquire and what we try to acquire. And we go after and chase down whatever that outcome that would be produced from that. For some, it's, it's riches for for, uh, for some, it's uh, the American family. I've got a, a husband and wife with 2.3 kids, the minivan and the white picket fence. For some, it's uh, giving, and, and maybe this one just hits home for me, it's, it's uh, trying to give my kids the lifestyle, lifestyle that I desire for them. Not even what they want, it's like what I desire for them and, and feeling like I'm missing the mark on being able to do that for them. For some, it's finding, chasing and finding what we feel like we deserve. And, and I feel it goes through uh, these, these waves, these ebbs and flows 
based on when and where we're at in our stage of life. Uh, a good example of this, uh, we talked about it on Thursday morning in our men's group as we gathered, um, is, is this idea of cryptocurrency. You guys have heard of this? This crypto bit, it, it kind of started with Bitcoin and um, but this cryptocurrency, I don't even know, are we like, are we at the height of it? Or are we on the downfall? I don't know where we're at, but it was super popular and people were chasing this stuff down, this Bitcoin, Doja coin, Litecoin, Polkadot coin, whatever it may be. And, uh, and we've observed uh, the groups of people that have like ran over to it and wanted to like, and you mine it? Like, and not with like the Minecraft pickaxe. You like actually have a computer that finds it or whatever. And, but, but here's the deal with that. At the core of cryptocurrency, this latest fad in trying to get rich relatively quick, uh, it's wealth. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a little different than stocks in that you kind of invest in a, in, in a company, but uh, there's really nothing you invest in when it comes to this crypto thing. But uh, the main focus is to obtain this wealth. To obtain this wealth uh, at a cheap price and then have it cash out for something bigger. And, and, and here's the deal with cryptocurrency. The value, the value that it's linked to is the dollar. It's linked to the dollar. So its value is actually just equal to our money. Right? There's really no separation from the dollar. And I keep, when I go to the grocery store, I keep asking if they can give me change in, in cryptocurrency, you know, or we have their stories of some football players that are getting paid with some cryptocurrency. But I haven't, I've been around a lot looking for Pokemon cards and I haven't found a Bitcoin laying on the ground, right? And, and, and when it comes to this, and I've found this, this idea of, um, I couldn't take this Bitcoin and go purchase a brown bear cup of coffee at Woods, right? But the value is just wrapped up in the dollar bill. But that's the deal, churches. What and where is our value? What do we value in our lives? Like, honestly, what, what if you were to think about it, what gives us our value? What are we doing, uh, obtaining? What are we uh, spending our time to give us value? And for me, as I thought over those list of things that I've chased down over the years, I've found that most of what I connect my value to is fleeting, either based on whatever it is that I'm gathering or based on that stage of my life that I'm entering in where I'm trying to obtain something. or whether or not I'm able to get that box of Pokemon cards for my son and how he'd value it. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm such a good dad. Like I killed it, right? And whether or not I'm able to gain the approval of my teenage daughter or whether or not I'm, I can work enough to get that thing or, or if I'm able to provide for my kids what they desire or what I desire for their life or if I can achieve the status level, the heights, the, the understanding that I want or whether or not I can get that vacation that I want or I can afford or relate or gain whatever it is that I want in my life. 
Man, and can you think of, and you probably thought of some things even for you, like, can you think of that in which you've placed your value? What you value and what, what you measure your value in. And there's a true meaning and value in our life, and that meaning was set before us. It was set before we even were a, a figment of anybody's imagination, uh, before any of us took our first, our first breath our value was already set. Our value was already determined by our Creator. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, it says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And in accordance with this, His pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Our value far before, our, <laughs> far before we were born, far before any of our children were born, far before any of it, our value was set by our creator, blameless in, in, in the sight of his love, and it was displayed by God's giving of his son for each one of us. Ah, I just got to insert this. We went to the Squalicum High School play last night. Squalicum High School is putting on the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Crazy. Public high schools doing this lion, witch, and the wardrobe. And it was absolutely amazing. I teared up during the play of this production. And they, through this play of, you know, Aslan the lion and, and Edmund and Peter and, 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 and Susan and, and all, I mean, like, they, they told the gospel in the auditorium of Squalicum High School, and there was cheering when they said, the one great king. But in that one great king and God, the creator, the father of us all, the creator of all things, he gave us that value, the value on our lives far before, willing to give up everything, for us. For he chose us with great purpose and meaning, and the purpose and meaning that is far greater than anything we could indulge in here on earth. Anything we could, like, give our attention and focus and desire and that, like, hyper attention and sometimes to greater than any action here on earth, but not separate from. See, it very much uh, includes everything on this side of earth. All the things that we enjoy, all the things that you maybe even came to your mind of, of what you've placed your value or the things that we've chased after in our lives, it's not separate from that, but it includes that because God actually wants to work in and through everything in our lives. It's found in, the purpose and meaning is actually found in the idea of everything that is joined in and with God. So everything that we indulge in where we allow him to be included in it, and he, he actually walks us through it, uh, that value and worth and meaning in our life, when we include God, actually brings value and meaning to it. It's not that we need to like cut it out or, or stop it. Unless God leads us from it, but he actually wants to just be a part of it. John 3, 16, we all know the verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
And that's, that, that, that is in Christ that everything has meaning because of what he did for each one of us. That this life, because of what he did for us, has the opportunity to have the greatest meaning despite anything that we do. That our lives are given to that meaning. Not in the pursuit of going after something other than God, but it's our ability to, uh, uh, to in uh, everything, give it to God and allow him to work in it. Being healthy is not accomplishing anything. It is giving everything. Let me say that again. Being healthy. Healthy is not accomplishing anything. It is actually giving everything. And for us, oftentimes we think of what we can achieve and what we can uh, uh, accomplish, what we, that, that we have to uh, do all these things, accomplish these things in our lives in order to get healthy. In actuality, kind of the flip side of that is that we give it all up. We give it all up to God. We still get to do a lot of it and, 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 and be involved in a lot, but we, that we give it up to God and we give him everything, every aspect of our lives. I love this verse for this message, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. For you know it is not with perishable things like gold and silver. At this time, that was the currency. Gold and silver. It still is highly valuable today. I would say more valuable than mining for a Bitcoin, right? But, but at that time, that was the currency, and that was where there was value. The value, it, it, it says here that we can't purchase or we're not redeemed through that. That doesn't mean it's not valuable, it still held its value. But recognizing that even uh, uh, um, having gold and silver and, 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 and doing that, that doesn't get you ultimately what God wants and desires for us, the perishable things. But that alongside that, we just recognize the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, a perfect sacrifice for each one of us. Actually, gives even great value to that gold and silver. Despite all that we have or haven't been able to achieve and accomplish in our life, despite what we uh, might have achieved or built up on this earth, what's been given to us, we have to realize that chasing accomplishment and achievement often leads to that never-ending path of pursuit. The never-ending spinning hamster wheel that we jump on to live our life in, to, uh, to run after. I want to be honest with you for a second, because as I listened to Amber's talk last week, she said something, and it really, it, it actually, like, <laughs> like I'm sit I was sitting right over there, and I was like, ooh, ah, ah, I don't agree with her at all. I want to get up and be like, wait a second, Amber, you, that's not true. But as I wrestled with it this week, it, it, it struck me. She said this, uh, and she's not here today, so she can't defend herself. So that's why I chose to talk about it. But she made the comment. She made this comment. I was like, no! You know, and she said, she said that uh, 
she made this comment of just enough. That God desires, or God wants our just enough. I was like, what? Like, this magnificent, enormous God, uh, the God of infinite power, of infinite presence, of infinite purchase, purpose, of infinite knowledge, how can he desire just enough? Like, that's so small. And it took me all week to wrestle down this idea of just enough to realize that we aren't just enough people. Like, that's not... That's not who we've been asked to be, or not who we, at least for me, and maybe some of you are just enough people, but for me, at least it's, it's more, it's more, I want more, it's, it's uh, and, and it might be a generational thing, but I think it's uh, this, this idea of just enough uh, is, 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 is not who we are trying to be. But when I wrestled through it, I, I actually kind of, it kind of made sense to me that God wants my just enough. And, uh, and I, I, I love the book of Proverbs, uh, Old Testament, like rhymes, and there's some really cool stuff in there. Mainly, I took a Proverbs course in college, and the books were like $200. And so I like just try to get as much value out of the books. Um, and so I just love the book of Proverbs. Um, but uh, and, and throughout the book of Proverbs, there's this idea of, or this focus kind of around this just enough. Like this, um, this idea of um, uh, moderation. Everything in moderation, have you heard that comment? Everything in moderation is fine, or you can't have too much of a good thing, like those kind of comments, those are kind of the things we're looking at this week. But, but um, this idea of m- moderation or just enough, or this idea of knowing when to stop, Heather can attest, I'm horrible about knowing when to stop. Uh, if you've got a young child in this church, I've probably made them cry. At some point, I've probably made them cry because I just don't know when to stop throwing them up or like teasing them or whatever. I've probably, they've been on the verge of tears because I just don't know when to stop. And, and, and I think that that is kind of what's built into our culture and this idea. But throughout Proverbs, there's this, this theme of just enough or knowing when to stop or, or uh, moderation. And, 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 and it's, 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 it's actually all throughout Proverbs, but I took kind of two Two parts of Proverbs out. Proverbs 23, 19 through 21. Listen, it says, Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. Chili cook-off. Uh, do not gorge themselves on meat. Mine, actually, I don't want to point to it because I don't want you to be biased, but uh, mine's got a lot of meat in it. Um, okay, sorry. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Proverbs 20, 25, 16 says, If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, and you will vomit. Right? It's in the Bible. Crazy, like... How many of you actually have ever eaten, like, in copious amounts of honey? Like, I don't know. Anyways, so uh, there's some protein aspects to honey. Um, but there's three substances in this, these proverbs that are mentioned. 
They talk about wine, they talk about meat, and they talk about honey. Those three things in themselves are not evil, right? Right? I mean, if you are an alcoholic or struggle with alcoholism, or if you're a vegetarian, or maybe if you're a diabetic, like those things in themselves would be things that you would really want to avoid, right? It, based on wherever you fall in that line. But there's nothing really intrinsically wrong with wine, meat, or honey. They're good things. God actually invites us to enjoy his creation and enjoy even these things. And those happen to be uh, all things that you eat or drink. But you could add to that list uh, other things. Shopping for Pokemon cards or shopping in general, spending money. You could add Netflix to that, right? You just watch in copious amounts of Netflix every night. Or you could add to that list social media, getting intertwined and so focused and heavily focused in on social media. And I think, actually, and I, I think I can say this, uh, us as Americans, uh, Western world, us as Americans actually have this uh, problem of overindulgence of things, right? How many of you have ever been to a fancy restaurant? A fancy restaurant here in Bellingham is, is still uh, not even like a fancy. I've never been to Europe, so I'm not going to pretend like I've been to Europe and I've eaten. But I, I happened to see, I actually did a little uh, Yelp, yelping for restaurants that are like in Europe and stuff like that. The portion size you get at restaurants over there, I'd be hungry. I'd be so hungry. Uh, but we went to a fancy uh, restaurant uh, uh, about, you know, I don't know, six, eight months ago, and, 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 like, they delivered my food, and I was like, three green beans? Like, and a four-ounce steak? Really? Like, but, but the idea of that is, uh, and, and inside, I'm like, whoa, I want more. Like, I want a 12-ounce steak, and I want, like, bacon-wrapped green beans. Um, but, but, but the idea behind that is the flavor and the richness of that is, it, it, it actually, when you, if the restaurant is good and it's done there, like, you eat that meal, and you walk away, and you're like, oh, man, that was amazing. But what we tend to do, or we, I guess it's me and a mouse in my pocket, but what, what we tend to do is we, like, go for the, like, I don't know, I'm, I, I love cooking, and I cook a lot at home, and I, I'm almost always a two-plate dinner guy. Like, I'll dish up my first plate, and I'll eat, and then I'll dish up my second plate, and I'll eat some more. And, 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 and I tell you what, those first few bites of that first plate are absolutely amazing, because I'm a great cook, right? Uh, sorry, I don't know. You could ask my kids. Maybe not. Um, but by the time I get to that second plate, it's just the idea of eating. It's the idea of I've made some good food. It definitely doesn't taste as good as it did when I first started in on it. But I think the analogy is, is we, we tend to struggle with this overindulgence in things. It's, uh, we don't own a dog, but how many of you, I mean, if you own a dog, you know you can't just leave the food bowl full of food at all times, right? What happens? The dog will eat and eat and eat and eat until, like that proverb said, he vomits, right? And, and, and I would say that in our lifestyle, I don't know that we're too far away from that with certain things that we indulge in in our lives. Ex, uh, excess, um, actually for us, I think excess that we hold on to and that we gather up and we get, it, it leads to things like destruction. 
It leads to things like comparison in relationships. When I gather up excess, then I either pose that out as I have excess and, and other people get envious of it, or I'm envious of other people's excess. I think excess actually, like I said with the, the eating two plates of food, excess actually hurts our enjoyment of things. Right? Excess in that Proverbs that we read about, uh, drunkards and gluttons become poor. When we gather excess, uh, the flip side of that is we've spent our wealth in whatever monetary value it is on the things that we're gathering excess of, and we become poor in that. I think the key to moderation is to figure out how to fill yourself with God so that we don't keep trying to fill ourselves with other stuff. And I know that's kind of like, like, oh, I mean, great, that's like really easy to do, right? No, it's, it's not necessarily. But uh, to quote the famous theologian Elsa Oldenburg, if you've heard of her, um, she says, let it go, let it go, let it go, right? I got to just make sure you guys are still awake, at least, at least. Um, but it comes to our, down to our desire to want to hold on to it, to, to gather up, to build up, to secure up, uh, and, and protect, to keep what we have. If not all of it, for sure some of it, and, and kind of hold it in for ourselves. And I think we tend to, uh, uh, scratch that, I, I actually believe that we have a tendency to hold on to it as a, a thought of security. And we find security in the excess that we've gathered around us. When in actuality, I think security leads us to uh, false security in ourselves and not security in who God desires for us to be. I mean, most all of us, I think, are willing to give some of what we have away, right? Some of our attention, we're willing to give some of that away. We want to hold on to a lot of it ourselves, but some of our time, right? we, we'll, we'll, we're, we're willing to give some of our time to doing laundry on Saturday, Saturday morning laundry at 7 a.m. How cute was it to see uh, Price and Daly discuss laundry duty as they're engaged? That was kind of cool, huh? Um, anyways, 7 a.m. laundry. Like, I'll give some of my time at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. Um, I'll give some of my uh, materials or, or financials, uh, some of my, uh, you know, that number of my bank account that I'm trying to obtain to. Or even, or even you know, I'm, I'm willing to give some of my heart. Like, I don't want to give it all. Like, I could get hurt, Right? Or uh, some of my patience. I'm willing to give some of my patience, but man, I'll, if I have to give too much of that, I'm going to lose that. My grace, some of my mercy, some of my forgiveness to the people that I, like, I, I want to forgive. Some of my willingness to work with others or to endure something. I, I'm willing to sacrifice some. Like not, I don't want to sacrifice too much because then that would impede on what I want, but I'm willing to sacrifice some. And that idea of just giving away some, that isn't what Christ displayed for us. That isn't what he uh, decided 
when he was taking on the weight of our sin when he, when he hit the cross. Like, he was like, ah, I'm just going just gonna to give, a, give uh, the sacrifice to, like, this time. No, like, he thought far ahead before even we were created, Christ died for you and your sins. Before you had even sinned, he said that I, he would take that on for us. It isn't the actions that God displayed towards creation. I mean, if we really think about this idea of accumulating or having ex, uh, excess, the origin of most all of it is wrapped up in our selfishness. The desire to elevate or, uh, or build up self. My own self. And out of all the things that I've mentioned that I was struggling with, this, all of those were focused on me, on my desire to do what I think I should do and what I should achieve and what I should gain. The origin is on ourselves, and at the core of not being able to stop, as that theme in Proverbs is, not being able to know when to uh, to 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 stop, to um, allow God to work. That's our broken sense of focus, the broken sense of our reality of ourselves. See, it's a separation from the original design of the created purpose in which we were originally knit together in the womb with purpose, the womb of our mothers, and the core at the core of that, it's this broken idea of where we wrestle with the idea of sin. I think that's the first time I've mentioned that idea of sin this morning. And so I want to define it a little bit for you because I talked, alluded to it earlier in this idea of separate from. A lot of the things that we enjoy and we, we partake in, that we live out in our lives, are actually things that God doesn't want to be separate from. He actually, in most cases, doesn't want us to just, like, stop those things. He actually wants to be included in on those things. And what, what sin is in our life, it's not the action of doing something wrong. What sin is in our lives, some of it is, some of it is. Some of it is, some of it is the action of, of doing something we know is wrong. But a lot of our sin comes from our idea of separating whatever it is in our lives from God. That when I turn my back, when I step out from underneath, when I uh, leave God behind, that separation is sin. That separation is uh, self and desire for me to do what I want to do and keep God out of it. Sin at the core is separation from God. The choices and decisions we make to separate whatever it is that we have going on from what God desires for us. And the cause is the separation from God. And again, if we go back to the, the ribeye steak, the IPA, and the sugar, like some of that stuff we indulge in, uh, allowing God to lead us in those indulgings, those, those partaking of those things. But separating God out of those things, they are gluttony 
and, 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 and they are drunkenness, and they are, you know, separating God from that. We don't have the control that God desires for us, that God desires for us to have when we include him in on it. But also in our ability to uh, do the same with our patience, our forgiveness, our grace, our love, our, our heart towards people. Right? When we allow God into those things, some of the greatest restorative stories, some of the greatest uh, restorative relationships, some of, the, some, of the, some of the greatest love, some of the greatest desires are birthed out of allowing God into those moments of patience, forgiveness, grace, love, mercy. What if, and you've heard me say this, um, each week I've shared with you a, a challenge for us heading into this holiday season. Like this Thanksgiving and Christmas, what if you did this? We talked about like not coming to Thanksgiving and Christmas with all the answers. We talked about uh, approaching everybody that you want them to know what eternity and, uh, and, and, and what will get them there. And today, what if... What if we approached every interaction where we needed to display patience? I mean, these are the things that during the holiday seasons for Thanksgiving and Christmas, like we need more patience, we need more kindness, we need more grace and mercy for our family members and for our crazy aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and all those kind of things. Like, what if in all of those situations we allow God to work? We actually ask God, knowing what we would face ahead of time, or even right in the moment, to be involved in those moments. And we operated out of the truth of allowing him into those gatherings in awkward situations. What if that was how we approached our holidays this year? Like, like really made the decision. Like, I know we can go into holidays and you have the conversation with the husband or wife and you're like, okay, so we're really going to try to be on our best behavior and I don't want you to upset so-and-so, whatever. But like, what if, like, more than that, we were like, let's let God in on this this year. Like, let's allow him to be the driver of every interaction and every moment. Allowing God to be in the patience and forgiveness and grace and love and mercy and and, and allowing him to, to depict how we give our heart away. See, it's for us, it's the balance of knowing when to stop and the ability to halt the pursuit of more and, and achievement and all those things here on earth and give way to the kingdom gain that God desires for us. The glory that he desires for us to display to all that we come in contact with, no matter what we're doing in our lives. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and I'm going to close us with uh, a prayer. I know it's God's desire for us to, um, to give him everything, to allow him to be involved in all of what we've got going on in our lives. So will you, will you pray that with me in agreement or, you know, or whatever? Like, maybe there's one thing you're like, nah, I'm just going to work on one thing. God's laid it on your heart. That one thing is a step in the right direction, given that one thing uh, that he may have laid on your heart this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, this life. 
We thank you for your creation. We thank you for um, safety and security in you and knowing you. And uh, Lord, for my brothers and sisters this morning, I pray for myself, I pray for your purpose and meaning. Lord, not just in the Sunday morning or the Sunday afternoon, uh, Lord, but in the in the details of everything that we have going on in our lives, Lord. Lord, in the interactions with family and in the interactions with um, strangers, neighbors, Lord, we give that to you. Lord, in the interactions with, uh, with you individually and personally, we give those up to you, Lord. The areas of our lives where we've kind of pushed you to the side or, or separated from or stepped out from underneath your guidance, Lord, those things that you've laid on our hearts, I lift those up to you this morning. That, um, that we would recognize those things, that you would lay those things on our hearts, and that we would enter into right relationship with you, Lord. That we would enter into giving those things up to you and allowing even more enjoyment and, and glory, your glory be displayed through them, Lord. Lord, as we head into this Thanksgiving this week, may we recognize all that you've done for us. May we be thankful for all that, you, uh, that you've given us. Lord, may you lead us into this time where we would recognize all of that and just return it to you. Just say, God, you gave it to me, now I give it back. Do your work with it, Lord. May that be our prayer this week. Thankful for what you have given and thankful for what you will do with it, Lord. Lord, as we close, may you continue to lay those things on our hearts and minds, the desires that you have for us, Lord. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.